Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Today we speak with Steve Curtis. He's the CEO of Caledonia Mining Corporation. They've got a gold operation in Zimbabwe. We talked to him about doing business in Zimbabwe. We discuss the Mugabe years, post-Mugabe, and what's changed. Plus, we discuss their strategy, dividends, and what's coming up in terms of growth for the business. Steve, how are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? Very good, very good. Very pleased to be speaking to you. Been wanting to hear your story for a while. Um, you obviously run a tight ship there. I'm interested in Africa, having worked there a lot for 10 years. Um, I want to sort of you know, get an update on what's going on in Zimbabwe especially. But let's start off with a one-minute summary on the business for people who have not heard the story before. Okay, thank you. Um, Caledonia Mining is a listed uh, mining company with a single asset. Uh, a producing gold mine in Zimbabwe, uh, not large at the moment, producing between 50 and 55,000 ounces a year. But the exciting thing is the uh, expansion trajectory. We are sinking a new shaft at Blanket, which will uh, enable us to build production up to 80,000 ounces. We, uh, we're, a, we're, a, we're an underground hard rock mine. Uh, the new shaft going down to 1,200 meters, and effectively we're building a new mine underneath the, the old mine. The old mine's 110 years old. Uh, it's a relatively low-cost producer in, a, in a, what people will believe is a, a difficult uh, jurisdiction, but we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in more detail. Yeah. And importantly, Caledonia is a dividend payer, and we've been a dividend payer since 2013. Uh, we pay a dividend every quarter, and uh, we're running on a yield of about uh, 4% at the moment. And probably like a lot of junior uh, mining companies, and especially golds, we think we are not attracting the right valuation. Uh, that's probably because we're small. Uh, number two, Zimbabwe is difficult, but we should get credit uh, at, at some point in time for expanding and for continuing with the dividend, if not lifting the dividend. Right. Well, let's get into some of this. That's a great summary, first of all. Um, let's get into some of that. Let's deal with the, the elephant in the room. Pre-Mugabe, post-Mugabe mining uh, in Zimbabwe. I think there's some residual, as you say, I think it's maybe not necessarily fair anymore, but there's some residual perception as to you know what it's like working in Zimbabwe. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe life pre pre-Mugabe, not pre-Mugabe, I mean, as in while Mugabe was in control. I mean, what yes. were the sorts of difficulties you had to overcome? Sure. Well, we've owned the mine since 2006. So we experienced uh, uh, hyperinflation. Um, we, we bought the mine from Kinross, uh, who, who just felt it was too small for them and too far away from the mothership. Um, so a, a mine with a good pedigree. Previous, uh, prior to that, it was owned by Falcon Bridge. So you can see it's had to, it's had some good owners. Mm. So it has got good infrastructure, well developed, uh, but it's been under resourced. Yeah. Um, 2006 got tougher and tougher and tougher. Uh, monetary regime has always been hugely challenging in Zimbabwe, and I won't I won't pretend that Zimbabwe is an easy place to do business. But just the evidence that uh, since, uh, since we've owned the mine, we've, we've continued to invest from everything that has been done at Blanket Mine 
is self-funded investment, which demonstrates to you that you can make money in what people will perceive to be a difficult environment. But uh, obviously the disciplines required for managing a self-funded operation in that sort of environment with a huge shortage of foreign currency is difficult, but it's doable. And the fact Caledonia is a, is a dividend payer, th that money comes from the blanket mine in Zimbabwe. Um, 2008 hyperinflation was way out of control and um, we actually had to shut the operation down for six months. Uh, and then dollarization came in. Uh, we, we had access to a gold export license. We went straight back into gold production and blanket since April 2009, continued then in a dollarized envir environment to be highly cash generative and profitable. And, uh, and, and we carried on with, with a project that was on, on uh, the cards at that point in time. 2014, we had to make a very serious decision about a, a large expansion project because a mine that at that stage was a was a 104 years old uh, was mining itself out of resources, and we were only we were only mining down to a level of 750 meters, uh, and we needed to expand. We needed to go deeper, and there were va various uh, alternatives in terms of going deeper. And the option we chose was uh, was a single. Uh, what we call the central shaft uh, going down to now it's at 1200 meters which is its uh, final depth three new production levels but building a a new age mine below a very old mine and i say a new age because the the concept of this new project was formulated by our coo donna roots who comes out of the goldfields uh, family he is used to sinking shafts. He's used to large mine operations. He's used to um, trackless mining. And that's what he is developing at the Blanket Mine now. So it is a new generation mine, which is unique in Zimbabwe. A new shaft is unique in Zimbabwe. And again, very proudly, you know, we, we announced the completion of the shaft in terms of sinking uh, a couple of months ago. And 100% uh, self-funded, $45 million spent so far. And uh, we're equipping now, and uh, this time next year, the equipping will be finished. We'll commission the shaft. Okay. 2017 came along, and uh, M uh, President Mugabe stood aside, uh, and uh, President Manangagwa came into power. And uh, I think the, the significant thing for us is uh, there was going to be no... Uh, uh, night and day change to the environment. There had been significant damage done to the economy. But what it needed was a demonstration of commitment that I un we understand what trouble we're in. We understand what needs to be done. We understand we can't do this by ourselves. Therefore, there are going to have to be changes. And I think President Manangagwa may not be getting enough credit for the significant changes that he has made. Zimbabwe runs a budget surplus at the moment, and there are not many African countries that, that can say that. Um, it is uh, cutting money supply. Uh, inflation is still a problem, but they delinked their currency to the US dollar. So significant policy changes have taken place. It has brought with it difficulties for the population definitely difficulties for the population. Mm. Has it really affected us as a gold mining company? 
foreign currency continues to be difficult, but we continue to invest, we continue to distribute dividends, and you just have to work quite a lot harder. So I, I believe the significant thing is that there is hope. And you can see it in the people, you can see it in the, the policies being demonstrated, and the mere fact that the International Monetary Fund started a staff monitoring program to lay down conditions that Zimbabwe would have to meet to be able to then participate in the international financial markets, which is going to need to do if it needs to rebuild its economy. So that's, for me, the, the before and after situation. We're moving forward, policies are changing, and, and the current government is talking to the Western nations who hopefully will, will come to the party and help out. Right. And you, I mean, you, you talk in the presentation about some of the changes to you know, the royalty program there. The, the Ministry of Finance has announced some changes in royalties and tax treatments, etc. I mean, was that done willingly or under pressure um, from the mining community? I mean, how did that come about? Well, obviously, the changes to the royalty regime, um, uh, the royalty a few years ago was 5% of, of gross turnover. And I'm talking from a, a gold perspective, not the other minerals. 5% of, of, your, of your gross revenues, um, and it was tax deductible. Mm -hmm. for, for their own reasons, they left it at 5%, but they made it non-deductible. Now, that made it uncompetitive in the region. So obviously the Chamber of Mines and mining companies lobbied. There's no point in us being uh, uncompetitive in the region. A dollar, a dollar will invest itself where the returns are, are the most appropriate, risk-rated risk returns. And Zimbabwe needs dollars, so why make yourself uncompetitive? Mm -hmm. So lots of lobbying, censors uh, prevailed. Uh, with the rising gold price, uh, they've said a, a royalty of 3% if the gold price is up to 1200 1250 and 5% if it's above that, but it will now be tax deductible. So yeah. it's a move in the right direction. Yeah, no, it definitely is. But I guess coming back to investor mentality, you know, when I, like I said, worked and done business in Africa for, for many, many years, um, when you see things like previously, you know, was it two, three years ago, you know, Tanzania changing, the, changing the goalposts uh, or moving the goalposts, as it were, it just made investors nervous. And when, when a lot of you know African countries start to take control of mining law, mining regulation, etc., it's not necessarily always for the better. But I, you know, I see positive moves here in Zimbabwe. Yeah. They they understand the need for this, and you know, when we meet the a lot of the mining delegations that come to London, you know, a couple of times each each year, they they say the right things. They don't necessarily always then go and do the right things. So, you're, you're saying it's 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 positive. Will there is there more to come? Well, I think uh, one significant thing that I probably missed out in the before and after scenario hmm. uh, under uh, President Mugabe's uh, government, they instituted what was called indigenization, yeah. which was a legal requirement for a 51% ownership by indigenous Zimbabweans. We did that. We complied and mm. Blanket Mine was, uh, we restructured and we, we disposed of 51% of Blanket, uh, leaving ourselves as a 49% shareholder. When, um, and that of course met with huge resistance from, uh, from the investing community. 
it didn't really affect us because it was a, a facilitation loan structure, very similar to the South African BEE structures, uh, which get repaid by the distribution of dividends. Blanket being a highly cash generative uh, company was declaring dividends. Therefore, being a 100% shareholder or a compliant 49% shareholder, but having loans repaid to us, still gave us good access to the majority of the cash flows. So we complied. President Manangagwa came in and recognized that 51% uh, ownership was never going to attract a dollar of, of investment. And very early on, he repealed that, uh, that legislation. And that's an enormously brave act inside of uh, a, a continent where resource ownership of a, of a non-generative non resource, a depleting resource, very, very brave to say, gentlemen, you can own 100% of your business, please come, and, please come and invest. So, you know, we are, we are in the process of unwinding that structure. And we're hoping we've announced that we've signed a, an agreement to buy back the first 15%. And we're hoping to conclude that quite soon. And uh, uh, importantly for us, we'll always keep our community uh, partners in as a 10% shareholder. And we'll always keep our staff in as a 10% shareholder. Yeah, but I always find that an, an interesting process. Like, like I said, you know, I mean, having worked around Africa for many years, these paper exercises, which is what it is, you, you find a workaround to an investor problem. You know, 51% is, you know, usually they want to be carried as well. So it, it's like, you know, it's, it's the country's mineral rights and they are entitled to earn from that. But the investors too, put the money in, are also entitled to earn from that. Or there's much more attractive options for them elsewhere in the world and that's it's that's why i'm kind of fascinated by the way that zimbabwe now is approaching this there's much more sort of common sense both you know it's win-win as opposed to yes. more punitive decisions which may be um around maybe around economics but more likely around politics um so it's interesting to sort of see that how, how this has moved forward and so it's getting a good response you think you're seeing more investment into zimbabwe there certainly has been a lot of uh, inv uh, interests since uh, President Managagwa came into, right. into power. Not just mining, um, presumably. Uh, not just mining, not mm. just mining. Um, obviously, the, the very unfortunate incidences after elections where, where, where there were deaths, you, you, you can try and make yourself as attractive as possible, but those things are going to count against you. So there have been some, there've been some foot faults. And uh, you know those are going to have to be uh, managed with the with the, the the passing of time. But if you if you were able to take away the negative perception of the past of Zimbabwe, and unfortunately the land redistribution program, which was hugely negative for Zimbabwe and hugely damaging for the for the economy of Zimbabwe, yeah, for sure, the small economy it only earns its uh, foreign exchange from limited areas which were agriculture mining tourism and a little bit of sort of manufacturing and you destroy one of one of those key components you know people are always going to be cautious but um uh, you know the, the there is there is a definite interest on behalf of the government to uh, to try and manage a situation they're not they're not just rolling over and saying oh everything we did in the past is wrong 
They're trying to find a, a workable solution for the people of Zimbabwe, plus the, the economy of Zimbabwe and for investors. From a mining perspective, because of the, the uh, just the lack of investment and the lack of interest in Zimbabwe, yeah. it, the gold has not gone away in the ground. It, is, it was looked at 30 years ago by the Anglo-Americans of this world and some serious players. It yeah. was an unpalatable place. The gold is still there. And I do want to talk about that, and we will come on to it. But I want to stick with just the politics now, because for investors, whether you be institutional, which is my background, or retail, high net worth family offices, which is the vast majority of the people who, who watch this show, is to understand the the change in the political climate. So what is the government doing, not just mining, but across the board, if you don't mind, what is the government doing to help pe people in country understand the potential of what they've got? You know, like, like I say, you know, the... Some of the some of the as you say missteps after the elections are you know regrettable um, I'm sure but the economic benefit to a company a country which can open up and understand that foreign investment is part of the the success the future success of the country so w what's happening at the moment the mantra of open for business is 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 out there right and is it words and I, and or I, action i i i think actions actions mm. definitely um the the tax regime inside of zimbabwe is is perfectly palatable okay um your your ability to uh get a, a, a structure called a, a special economic zone status mm. for a project um, allows you to have all sorts of long-term investment attractive benefits. The ability for the, the economy to, uh, to grow has got to be multifaceted. So mm. it, needs, it needs a manufacturing sector to be rekindled because that will provide employment. There's 92% unemployment in Zimbabwe, but they have probably singly got one of the best educated populations in Africa. And, and it's a tragedy that you've got these highly educated people um, who just can't get jobs. So the informal sector is, uh, is, is, is very large, but you've got teachers and engineers who are selling tomatoes and airtime instead of doing what their jobs are. Now, all of that is recognized and um, the, the processes to, to create opportunities for, for people to, to reinvest in, in business, business entities. The economy is small. It is very small. So when, uh, coming, coming from where you come from and the, the access to the, the type of monies that, you, that you've got access to, um, Zimbabwe needs a small small slice so it used to be one of the one of the biggest agricultural producers yeah. in africa it yeah. used to export yeah the ground is still fertile so it can go back there the minerals have not gone rotten so that you can still go back there um the turnarounds i'm most worried about the manufacturing sector technology has moved on dramatically and um, you won't just be re-engineering factories. You will, be, you will have to retool, rebuild, and reconfigure. And will they ever be competitive? I don't know. 
So you can't, you can't build a, a vibrant economy by the government creating jobs and just employing more and more civil servants. Zimbabwe has that problem. Too many, too much of its, uh, its national revenue budget is consumed by paying salaries. It's identified by the IMF. It's agreed by the Zimbabwe that they've got to, they've got to uh, contract that number. That's not politically um, uh, very palatable, but mm -hmm. it's something that has to be done ultimately. So, so you know, you can you can negotiate a, a good investment deal. You can talk to the right people. The ministers are are there. They are they are willing. It's a peaceful country. It's a peaceful country. Oh, so from so. a tourist Fabulous perspective, Fabulous. Um, you've yeah. got some of the greatest. Uh, spectacles of the world yeah. and and it's a very peaceful country again because of the lack of economic activity the infrastructure generally yeah. is pretty good in terms of roads airports and things like that yeah. power is a major major problem you will have heard well, about that i've heard about and, it in, and in, in, issue in for rebuilding an economy lack yeah of power. Yeah, so I mean, I've heard about it in the context that I mean, you you talk about it in your PowerPoint um, with regards to some of the issues around con consistency and you know reliability for 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 you guys. So, look, firstly, thank you very much for that summary. It's always good to hear from someone on the ground, you know, what's going on in the country. And if you know, I've heard the message. It's open for business, but I've heard that across Africa, West Africa, the East Coast as well, and it it, it invariably isn't. Um, and I, I know Zimbabwe, great people, great country, and as you say, a lot of resource there, which, you know, maybe people, some people watching this will look at it and say, maybe there's some opportunities to, <laughs> to go and have conversations about. But let's come back to the mining, because that's what we're here to talk right. about. Let's talk about you. You've, I'm looking at the numbers. You're, you're, you've been consistent. You're producing. You're, you've taken advantage of the bump in the gold price recently, and you're continuing this growth trajectory we see your plans to get up to eighty thousand ounces low asic it's all good you're doing all the right things and you know you i guess at some point you're working towards maybe even getting to that hundred thousand ounces to become a meaningful uh producer yeah. but you, there's a, there's a few like africa well i would say mining is difficult mining in africa is just a little bit more difficult there's always little fires to put out every, every you know every every now and again so why don't you tell us about you know the process that you guys are going through to you know you know between now and the end of uh, i think it's 2022 you're aiming for aren't you is that yes. the yeah so tell Thank us a bit about that me. if you don't mind in summary Okay, so, so I've already spoken a bit about the fact that we were sinking a new shaft. Um, mm. It's not finished till it's finished. And uh, we, we're 1.2 kilometers deep, but we, we need to do the equipping. Um, uh, again, this is all, all um, self-funded and it does need a, a quantum of foreign currency. But uh, again, uh, in, in terms of the liberalization of uh, the, the economy and especially from a mining perspective, we now have access to 55% of our revenue streams in pure foreign currency, mm. in our own foreign currency bank account, so we can make foreign payments. We then have 45% of our, uh, of our revenue streams paid to us in the equivalent, the dollar amount in the equivalence of the local currency right. at the appropriate exchange rate. Mm. And we have to pay certain of our bills in local currency. 
So that's wages, that's taxes, that's all your statutory obligations, uh, royalties, things like that. So the 5545, we have found when we're in front of investors, mm. is number one, hard to understand, and it scares a lot of people. They're saying, yep. you're being paid 45% in Zimbabwe dollars, you're not being paid for your gold. We are, and uh, you can do the numbers, uh, working back and saying, are we getting full value? And, and the answer is, uh, as the exchange rate fluctuates, and it is fluctuating violently at the moment, um, every time the currency weakens, we get more local Zimbabwe dollars for our 45%. Mm. So it, it is working. And uh, we pay for our electricity in hard currency. We pay for all our imports. We pay for our dividend distributions. And uh, as, as I say, you know, you don't sink a shaft spending $45 million, and we'll probably spend another 10 um, if you don't have access to, to a hard currency. So we do have that. So we will finish the shaft. And we will have a shaft that will have capacity of about 3,500 tons a day. We've got a CIL plant that has got capacity of 3,500 tons a day. Mm. We've got a crushing section that has got a capacity of about 1,800 tons a day. So that'll need a little bit of uh, investment, but yep. that's not expensive. Yeah. And we've got a milling section that's got a capacity of about 1,800 tons a day. We'll need one more mill. Because for us to produce 80,000 ounces, mm. we need to process about 2,000 tons a day. So we're going to have spare capacity on the CIL plant. We're going to have spare capacity on the shaft. And we add a few, we add a crusher and we add a mill. We, we kit it for uh, 80,000 ounces. And we have a new mine, which is being mechanized at the moment. We have dump trucks underground now. We have LHDs. Uh, and, and so we've got different mining methods. We have today, we've got a life of mine of about 13 or 14 years. Uh, we've got about 1.7 million ounces in uh, reserves and resources. And, um, you know, that's a very good place to be for, for, a, for a mine that is going to have a low all-in sustaining cost. Hmm. And uh, it creates an opportunity for us to generate significant cash flows. So then the question is, so what are you going to do with the significant well, cash Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're doing the interview for me. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> We, we don't want to stay a single asset um, uh, well, the, this that, my, that this, is risky. risky. Yeah, this, this is my point. Uh, you know, it's like I, I read what you say. I've watched your interviews. You guys are on it. You know what you're doing. It's just getting from where you are today. You know, you're getting all the infrastructure in place. You're self-funding. It's, it's all great. You're generating cash flow. You're talking about being able to move to a free cash flow position of, of some significance after 2022. And it's building up the number of, amount of ounces that you're producing and selling into the market. That's, that's the journey. That's the bit of the journey that I'm interested in because you know, it, it doesn't get easier. And I appreciate you guys know what you're doing. It's, I, honestly, I, I would say to people, this is a company that they should be looking at and a country they should be looking at. So I'm sold. But what I want to know is how do you move? How do you grow to the you know, 80, 100,000 ounce? You are going to need a new asset. Yeah. So what are you doing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Blanket is not going to be a 2,000 ounce gold producer. Um, it'll, it could well be a very solid 100,000 ounce gold producer. Uh, 
Mm. So yes, we do need a new asset. And that gets back to what I've said, uh, 30 years of uh, the resource industry being ignored and not explored. Mm. There are many, many brownfield operations yeah. in, uh, in Zimbabwe. Good. We have, we have been uh, doing our own due diligences on many of those. And our, our philosophy will be to find a, a number, singular, whatever, of, of good brownfield opportunities, which, uh, which we can grow from being ignored and, uh, and underdeveloped up the value chain. We, we're not looking to go and buy a big, hairy, high-cost, struggling right. producer. Dilutory. Uh, yeah, that'll, that, we can't add enough value to that. We want to be able to bring something up the value chain because we've got a, we've got a good, strong mining team who know how to, to uh, develop, explore and develop. Mm. And uh, so we're looking for opportunities where we can get our hands on, on properties, spend some generated money on exploring, identify hopefully good resource bases, do bankable feasibilities and, uh, and bring to shareholders the opportunity to, to build a, another, and again, we must understand the risks in the environment. So maybe we'll build a 50 to 60 to 70,000 ounce producer, mm. which has got the potential to ramp up to maybe 150,000 ounce producer. Yeah. We, we always look for any investment has got to be uh, NPV enhancing for the Caledonian shareholders as they stand today and dividend enhancing. Otherwise we're spending shareholders money badly. And we have struggled because of the, the, the entry cost in Zimbabwe. We have struggled to find opportunities where the returns are better outside of Zimbabwe. Um, they may be perceived to be safer jurisdictions, but uh, there's a risk and reward um, uh, equation that you as a banker will, will very clearly understand. And, and we as, as mining guys who effectively run a cash business. Uh, we, we've got virtually no borrowings. Uh, we have not raised equity from our shareholders since 2008. We, we believe that uh, our share price is, is undervalued at the moment. So dilution is something we, we don't want to inflict on shareholders. Mm. And I'm a shareholder. Mm. So, you know, we, we, we are probably frustrating some people by the pace at which we are growing. But we, we, we're, we're not out there to, to, to just blow the lights out. I yeah. do hear what you're saying. I like what you're saying. The, the bit of the picture I need you to paint for us, and not necessarily today, but going forward is you, this early mover advantage in terms of you're already in country. You, you probably have access to the data and being able to identify these brownfield sites and take advantage of those before yeah. people can even come in and... And, and, and think about doing it. So I like that, but that's the part of the growth story which I, I'm not hearing a lot of from you, or not enough, not enough from you, um, as to how you go about doing that, when you're gonna do it. We understand, because we understand mining, the timing of things like that, and when that starts yeah. to reflect itself in share price appreciation, because people are looking to the future with you, um, yeah. because they believe that you're a good mining operation. It's, I guess you need to give them a little bit of, frisson of excitement about 
how you move that forward and the pace at which you move that forward, not just what you've got today with, you know, with the current operations blanket, etc. So that's what I'd like to hear. So coming down the line, maybe next time we talk. Okay, but you know, just just uh, you know, the the confidence levels that we've got inside of our company and at our board level mm. that uh, we are going to have sufficient money to finish the central shaft. So it is not it is not a hundred percent de-risked, but it is significantly de-risked compared to where we were in twenty fifteen, where we started. Mm. Therefore, over the last twelve months, we have we have been saying to ourselves as management, we'll get this done, and we'll get it done virtually inside our timelines and 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 at at our budget levels with the normal variations yeah. left right and center but that that says to us um uh, when when you need to put your foot on something let's not start looking in 2022 when we are when we are developing when we are producing lots of spare cash mm-hmm. we've done the homework we've got the names we we we've got ndas in place and um the complication is again 30 years of ignoring certain sectors some of the paperwork is not in tip-top condition but we are we need to work to make sure that um when you're talking to somebody he is the legal owner um so you can understand you know legal due diligence technical due diligence very very important before you before you go and part with some good shareholder money for sure, for sure, for sure. Well, uh, Steve, I've really enjoyed this conversation. But like I said, I've been reading about you for some time, wanted to hear it from you. Uh, I've watched a lot of what you've done. Um, big fan. Uh, let's stay in touch. Let's see if some of these things moving forward. And uh, wish you well for the rest of this year. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.